Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like Jokic. your sitter. Wow. As long as there are fans on, this is one of the best ones I hear about. So the Warrior fans come in here, the Celtic fans come in here, Lakers fans come in here. I take that L on the way out. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Podcast. It is Zach Mikosh and Gordon Gross. We are back. The power duo that we are i suppose the yes. podcasting power duo that's a get shirts made or something i don't know i, I don't know if that's <laughs> gonna fit real well in a shirt buddy but whatever it's safe we'll get, we'll get you know comic sans to make sure <laughs> to make sure it fits the bill. Too seriously. that's right <laughs> we are back though after gordon uh after i forced gordon into a week off last weekend um here now to break down this week, we had uh, the really it was uh, kind of a, an up and down week. Last week when I was on the show, we were just coming off that Brooklyn loss that was kind of a layup line nonstop uh, all game. The Nuggets would have one more game to play on that road trip. That was Tuesday against the Sixers. They lose that game. I want to talk about kind of how Nuggets performed overall on that road trip. They performed um, and really. Yeah, or, or lack thereof, right? That would be a good, good way to describe it. But I want to get into that and see if that was maybe our first, uh, f- first kind of red flag of the season there. That, but the Nuggets did get back on track. They come home. They get two back-to-back division rivals against the, uh, what was it? The Portland Trailblazers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Carmelo Anthony back in town. He had some interesting words about retiring his jersey. I didn't get, we've talked about Melo and his legacy, uh, with the Nuggets on the podcast here a couple weeks ago, but that was actually when Ryan Blackburn was on. So I haven't got Gordon's thoughts on it yet. I want to make sure we do that. And then, of course, Nuggets close it out just, well, just a few minutes before we started recording this with a win against the New York Knicks. Wasn't exactly the prettiest, but they got it done. Nikola Jokic now uh, has been scoring in double figures for, oh, it's got to be, what, like six or seven straight games? So uh, we'll ask the question, is, is is Jokic back? And then for the second half of the show, we will look forward. Nuggets have three games on the docket, two more on this homestand, Orlando and Minnesota. I want to kind of debate which one of those games is the more concerning. And then the big one, Next weekend in L.A. against the Los Angeles Lakers. Round two, Nuggets looking to get revenge after losing to L.A. last week. We will break all of that down as well. So big show. Let's not delay. Um, Denver loses there on Tuesday to the Philadelphia 76ers. It was a game. The Nuggets had a couple shots. They, they, they fell behind. They came back. They fell behind. They came back. Had it close there at the end. Ultimately, Philadelphia... Uh, just too much gets the win. Gordon, when you look at this, that that stretch, right? So that was what they lost. Uh, I think it was what, five of their six, or was it even maybe six of seven? What the, um, the Nuggets lost? Yeah, they lost five they of six, six, right? Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, five of six. So it started back when you think about it. So they had of those six games, 
They had three against teams who are um, contending for the finals, right? The Lakers, the Celtics, and the 76ers. Yeah. They had two games against teams teams that aren't great, but playoff teams currently in the Kings and Nets, both those on the are, road. Those should be gimmies. Well, and see, and that and that that's kind of the thing I think that I want to get to because the they, the the one win they get was the actual gimme uh, against the Knicks there, but those those two games against the Kings and the Nets, these are teams like I said they're currently in the playoffs, but but the Nuggets, you know, you would expect as as a team with championship aspirations themselves, you would expect them to take care of business even on the road against those two teams. They don't. They end up kind of bombing this entire uh, this entire road trip. And, and I look at it is it's like their first test. It was their first real test of the season. Nuggets haven't had a very difficult schedule up to this point. They have this first test of the season. Really didn't go well. Is that I mean is that concerning? Do you think we're kind of maybe seeing a little bit of the shine coming off this team? Well, I don't know if it's obviously losing five of six is concerning. Um, if you have a team that thinks you can win a title, you know, or at least make it. Right. So, yeah, even if you just if even if you think that the Nuggets can't win a title, you think that the Nuggets can make it deep in the playoffs like there i don't think there's anybody that doesn't think that right you know and so for a team that should be a deep playoff round team you you got to handle your business against the you know the kings of the world that's just the way that it is now they always struggle with the kings and they usually struggle on east coast road trips like that's those are just two the lakers are really good yeah 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 like the lakers are great the celtics um were motivated the Celtics were very motivated, and they hadn't lost on their home court yet, right? Right. At that point. Same, them and Philly. Yeah, at that point, neither either of them had lost on their home court. They have a huge court right. advantage, you know, and the Nuggets didn't take it seriously. Um, But they didn't have their functioning offense either. Their offense hadn't come back until this week. They were still working yeah. with a really guard-heavy offense, Um, still weren't really running plays through Nikola Jokic. Uh, Nikola wasn't demanding the ball. Uh, especially in the post. Well, I mean, he he had big games against Boston and Brooklyn. Yeah, but nobody else and, showed and, up against Boston. Yeah, he that's had, true. Yeah, that was, for me, for me, Boston was the start of Nikola Jokic getting back on his horse. Not the right. Knicks because yeah, the Knicks too. doesn't count. Right. Um, but yeah. you know, the Celtics was the start of Jokic being like, "Look, man, everyone keeps talking about how I'm not doing my job. Let me go do my job and see if anybody else comes with me." And nobody did that night, but at least it set up the opportunity for them to figure it out. Yeah, I agree. I think that was that was kind of where it started to turn. And even even in that Philly game where he didn't necessarily have the best night shooting the basketball, he still took. I think he ended up taking like thirteen shots. You know, he had uh, and he was really great distributing the basketball. He was drawing a lot of double teams from and he Philly was and great passing those. Embiid, man, like he was a tone setter. Yeah. Like even if you think he wasn't yeah. scoring well in that game, and he didn't score well against the uh, the Knicks at home, you know, on Sunday either, but. Yeah, it, it, he yeah. he set the tone uh, in in Philly, and the fact that nobody could buy a shot is not necessarily on Jokic. Jokic yeah, had a I slip mean, Will up, Barton but played well. Slip up, but after the Knicks game um, at home, not the one on the road, he uh, right. He, they asked him what he was doing differently, and he said, "Well, you know, guys are making shots." Yeah. So yeah, yeah your wine looks better when you're making shots. That's just how it is. That's. That is very true, and I think we saw a lot of that as as they the Nuggets started to turn the page here. Um, we went into that that Portland game in particular. It was kind of like, well, you know, I mean, Jokic led, I think, with twenty points. Him and Jeremy Grant both had twenty points, but it was basically like, hey, guys, were knocking down their shots tonight, and so everything kind of went 
um, went according to plan. It's, it, it is amazing how that, <laughs> how that one simple thing, this is hashtag analysis right here. Make shots. You'll win. Game. Make shots. I mean, um, they, people always say that, but it, I mean, they're not wrong. Right. I mean, it, it, it's simple, right? It's boiling this game down to like its most simple point, but it it is, it is still in fact true. Like that, that is what this game is about. I mean, that's how you get upsets. You get upsets when the favorite doesn't make shots and the underdog makes shots. Right. You know, I mean, the Nuggets yep. didn't beat the Golden State Warriors with their bench, you know, a couple years ago by just being um, better than them. They beat them because they made every shot in the world. Like, yeah, they mean, bombed it's, it's 50% from three. Like, they, when that happens, you're going to win. That's very true. Um they uh they that and that's been something that's kind of plagued them. They, I think when we talk about how the Nuggets haven't been a, a necessarily a fun team to watch, it's been because hey, the uh the team isn't making shots and they're slugging out a lot of wins, ninety four to. It's been 89. slow and bricktastic, and those are two right. unappealing qualities. But this week, yeah, the Nuggets exactly. really did turn that around by putting out some vintage Jokic style cutting offense. You know, smooth right. passing, making threes, you know, they, they, well, not, not against the Knicks, but you know, they made, they made enough shots. They made enough action off the ball. Um, right. They looked, they looked competent on offense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they looked like they, were, dude, they, like they knew what they were trying to do as opposed to just standing around and then just heaving a ball at the basket at the end of the shot clock. Exactly. Um, so in that in that Blazers game, the Nuggets, of course, they get that win. Um, it was one of those ones where it was never really all that much in question. They got out to a, a pretty early lead and then kind of pretty they won much by led it after the first. Yeah, it got close a little bit close in the third, and then it really never got got that much close again. But um, really, not nobody nobody on the the Blazers bench came to play that game. I think uh, Anthony Simons was the only one who scored points. For the Blazers yeah, bench, and they were running the whole game. It was on Whiteside anyway. Like that was one of those things. Right. Who is who is insane? Hassan just couldn't yeah. miss. And if you when you can't miss, yeah. and you just better keep getting the ball. The other guy though who had a good game was Carmelo Anthony at twenty points, yep. nine boards. Um, after the game, our own Jenna Garcia got the quote out of Melo. He said that he thought that you know his his jersey should be retired here. Uh, I've been pretty outspoken that I, I would agree with that. I think it's pretty silly not to retire Nicole's jersey, and I don't think there's really any good reason to to not do it. You or not? I said Nicole's. You did. I was uh, point that out. <laughs> Not to retire Mello's jersey, and what? Because what I was thinking was like, because you could even still, we obviously Nicola wears number fifteen as well, um, but you could still let Nicola wear number fifteen, and just you know, when when Nicola then retires or or leaves or whatever, okay, then that's it, and nobody else wears fifteen, and you could retire Nicola's jersey one day too. Um, they would not be the first case of a team retiring the same number twice. So, um. I, I'm in agreement, Gordon. What do you think? Are you are you with Mello and me that yes, he he deserves to have his jersey retired, or are you of the thought that no, with the way he left, it can never be um, something that you would do. You would never honor him here in Denver. Uh, man, you don't hold free agency against players. You just can't. And he wasn't even a free agent when he left. I mean, he was going to be, but it, uh, they may wind up retiring Kawhi's jersey for one season in Toronto. Right, like. I mean, he won them a title. What and I mean, want? yeah, he got a ring, right? That's 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 a, a bit different from what Melo did. Uh, for the well, for the Nuggets, it wasn't. The Nuggets made the playoffs a billion times with Melo. They made a conference finals, which they hadn't done in you know twenty years, thirty years before that. Yeah. So, you know, it it yes, as far as getting a ring, he didn't get a ring. But as far as being a successful Nuggets team, 
they were pretty good. Like the Nuggets haven't had a lot of successful Nuggets teams. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. They've uh, and, and they particularly when Carmelo was coming in to the league. I mean, he uh, he kind of single handedly changed the culture around Denver. He and made the Nuggets were laughing stock. Yeah, exactly. Like the national media cared about them. The local media cared about them. Like people, they they changed their jersey, but people people would put on the powder blues and go out to their games, and the Nuggets were relevant. Now they couldn't make that work in the playoffs, but how much of that is George Carl? How much of that is, you know, the way the team is set up? You added, you know, AI to the team. Um, they had their shot with Chauncey. Um, and they honestly, if they could have done that a year earlier, like they might have had something serious. If they could have inbounded the pass, they yeah. could have had something. Yeah, or I mean, a lot of things. If George Carl doesn't get cancer. You know, Correct. And Nene gets cancer in that same year. If they Adrian Dantley just doesn't. Just, yeah, well, there, there were a lot of what ifs. The, the thing about Melo's right. era is you can't count the what ifs against him. Melo was one of the best scorers in the league for his entire tenure in Denver, um, and him not being LeBron James is not a good reason to not retire his jersey. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he he was consistently every single year for the entire time he was here he was consistently successful uh you know granted yes it didn't it didn't translate into a ton of postseason success but the nuggets were looked at as one of the best teams in the league for his entire tenure and that was because of him and because he was there day in day out when you think about it, the most time he ever missed for the denver nuggets was when he got suspended yep. um he always fight in new played. york he always right played. that guy didn't take any time off Right, he was never hurt. He was always like the the rock throughout that entire throughout one of the most successful you know generations of of Nuggets history. Like to me, that alone um, puts him puts his him worthy of of having his jersey retired. And it's you know I get like with the, with the way he left and and people being upset about that. It wasn't a clean um, a clean divorce. That's it for sure. It rarely is, but, man. Like if the team, but yeah, the exactly. Rated him for something else. Would you would you then not retire his number? If the team had been like, we're cashing you in for Chauncey Billups, like they did with AI, right. for instance, like if they had cashed him in for Chauncey and Chauncey had come back as a hometown son, do you hold that against Melo? Like if the team had decided yeah, yeah. to do it instead of Melo saying, I'd like out, please. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's you. It's a business. And like Melo made a business decision. And that, I think, rubs some people the wrong way because it wasn't maybe necessarily a basketball decision. Well, he didn't um, say the right things on the way out. Like the, right. the the problem is, you know, um, his wife said some unkind things. He he was not um, as vocally appreciative of Denver as he could have been. It's always those early moments that trip up players. They're so excited to go to new things. They forget to honor where they were or that fans are listening to every word that they say about their new town. Right. Like it, it, players forget that. Um, I don't hold that against him. And honestly, um, from reading George Carl's book, I wouldn't want to play for George Carl either for any, for yeah. another like contract. No offense. Like, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Like I think, and I think that was a big, a big portion of it. Like that relationship was not good. And, and, it, you, I you think in hindsight, when you look at it, like uh, George was a tough guy to play for. Like he's smart, very, very good coach. Yep. But, like kind of an asshole. Yeah. To be honest. Well, and, and there are plenty of coaches like that, but usually they're in college. Right. Like in right. the NBA, you've got to manage egos, and that was always George's least favorite part, and he was always too honest. And he, yeah, and he the biggest viewed that ego as was a, always his. As a um, 
good character trait and everyone who worked with him viewed it as a flaw because he was never really honest about himself. He was always honest about other people in detrimental ways. Yeah. And after a while, yeah. that's going to rub you the wrong way. And it did. And I don't I don't blame Mello for that. They should hang Mello's jersey in the rafters. Um, but it honestly, they should hang 15 in the rafters with the acknowledgement that by the end of this, it's going to be Jokic's jersey. Like, right. Jokic is going to be 15 up there, just like Mello is. But the jersey that the, the last person to wear it and the most important person to wear it is going to be Jokic if this keeps up. If this keeps up, yeah. And that, that, that is the one the interesting thing to look at that in terms of the Jokic-Mello uh, debate is like if, if Jokic were to retire tomorrow, like Mello would have by far the more successful career as a Denver Nugget. Um, but Jokic won a playoff series. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, big mellow one too. So I mean, that's that's, that's what I'm saying. But uh, he's like, it didn't take it doesn't take much because he didn't have the postseason success. It doesn't take much to catch him really quick here. So um, Jokic has every every chance to to become the best number fifteen who's ever played for the Denver Nuggets. But like I said, I think you can I think you can retire both both their jerseys and, and it's fine. They're two different eras. Yeah. The era of you can't call it the mellow era and then say, but it's not worth retiring his number. Right. Right. Exactly. Like it's, you just exactly. can't like it's his era for a reason. It was his basketball. And for better or worse, he was the best player on the Nuggets for that decade that he played. Right. During one of the best decades in, in franchise history. That's correct. You, you got you just, got to respect on it. Just hang his, his thing in the rafters. I understand people who say that, you know, maybe you can't hang a, a jersey if they only play three or four years for your squad. Uh, that's not the case right. of Melo. Like he played half right. his career here. You know, put it up there. It's fine. Exactly. All right. Um. Here, let's let's touch on. I want to touch on this before before we turn the page. So we and we've hit on it a little bit. Nikola Jokic. Now, I think the last man. What was the last clunker of a game he had? He was really bad. It might have been. Uh, was the, the? It might have been that Lakers game, right? Would probably have been the last one. I don't know. Did he when they were at the Knicks? Um. Yeah, actually, it was at the Knicks when the the everybody everybody had a huge a huge game with the exception of Jokic, who scored six points. Um, in that in that win. So since then, since that was last week, um, he's basically scored double figures every single game. The lowest output since then was probably the Philly game. I think he had fifteen, but. Basically, the Nuggets have got back to playing behind Nikola Jokic. He flat out kind of carried them to win the Knicks against the Knicks here late in this game. They they were uh, Denver was certainly in danger of of having a terrible loss and blowing this thing late against New York. Jokic kind of not only he had a couple big buckets, he had a huge tap out rebound to uh, Will Barton uh, for a for a three that that put the Nuggets back in front late. Yep. I mean, Gordon, do you feel like they're it's back? Do we feel like okay now Jokic is finally rolling and the Nuggets are back playing through through him? Yeah, this is what Jokic ball looks like, man. Like, you know, the assists are up, like people are making shots, they're all cutting on offense. Now against the Knicks, they only played like two quarters of real basketball, maybe two and a half. Yeah. You know, but that that, yeah, that third quarter was bad. Yeah, third and the first start of the fourth, man. Like that was yep. all not good. And then Jokic came back in, and he made sure that they won the game. That's Jokic. That's that standard Jokic. Is he's like, I'll pass the ball around, and then if you guys can't get it done to the end of the game, I will go ahead and put ten or twelve points up in the quarter. You know, get some key rebounds, get a couple of assists, and make sure that we win this game. 
that's what he's supposed to do. Like, I understand him desiring to make sure that the ball is shared and make sure that the offense is flowing early in games. But when he has to take over, he needs to be able to. And tonight, he couldn't necessarily shoot it the way he wanted to. He missed some some pretty easy shots. You know, but yeah. uh, against the Knicks, he was able to go ahead and impose his will late and play Jokic ball early. Those are two good things. Like, that's what it should be, and that's what it's been all week. It's been that way, like you said, about since the Knicks game. Yeah, and I think the um, the key, too, is we're seeing the full the full on Jokic ball experience. Now, whereas we saw against Boston and, and, and Brooklyn and even a little bit against, um, who was it, maybe the Thunder? No, not the Thunder, against the, uh, the Blazers. There wasn't a ton of help, right? Uh, with it, you know, it was it was basically Jokic scoring and nobody else coming along. Now against the Blazers, Jeremy Grant gets hot. That was um, he's been hot for about a week now, but that that was the kind of the big big tipping point as well. But but now what we saw for back to back games against both the Thunder and the Knicks the second time around against the Knicks is is everybody is starting to hit their shots. You know, you see the Nuggets tonight had. Five other guys outside of Jokic in double figures, um, including all of the starters. That's that's what they need for this Jokic ball thing to really work. Because I think sometimes when other guys aren't hitting shots, okay, then Jokic feels that pressure that he has to start hitting shots. And if he doesn't, that's when things can get really bad and, and, and you start to see the Nuggets um, kind of lose their way on offense. When, when the, everybody around him is doing what they're supposed to do and he, they're getting the buckets, then he just kind of rela- relaxes and takes, you know, takes what the, uh, the defense is giving right. him. And that, that makes Jokic ball work at its maximum potential. Well, the, the thing, the, the Nuggets go awry when their guards um, want to do guard things, when they want to be ball dominant, when they want to dribble the air yeah. out of the ball. When they want to, you know, uh, crisscross the ball between their legs a few times and then do Take a, step- a bunch of floaters. Yeah, floaters and step backs and, you know, when they get cute. Uh, that's right. that's when the, the offense breaks down because Denver doesn't have a really good one-on-one player. It's not Harris. It's not Murray. Uh, Barton sometimes. But it, it really— Yeah, he's the best you would, you would say they have. Say what? Yeah, he's the best. I said— Of right. all the guys, of all the guys that they have, Barton is their best one-on-one player because he has a quick first step. He has the first step the other guys don't have. Right. Um, but it, it, it's still not good offense. Like, I, I think that we've proven that throughout the years now that one on one individual offense beating three dudes on the way to the rack is not the way you want to play consistently. You know, I get if you have Michael Jordan, you can do what you want. You know, none of those guys are that um, and none of them are Kobe. And uh, so when the Nuggets bog down in individual play, they get stuck because guys stop moving because then it's a yeah. one-on-one show. You take your guy one-on-one this time. I'll take my guy one-on-one next time. And that's, that's never how the Nuggets should play a ball. They don't have the guys for it. And it's, it's inefficient anyway, but when they're moving, when they are passing the ball, when it's crisp, when guys are cutting and screening and getting guys open for three and, you know, driving and kicking, then you've got something, then you've got enough moving in the offense and guys seem to free up. They play loose. Um, and they're able to hit their shots, which has been missing most of this year. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a struggle, and like like we kind of talked about, it's kind of why I think the Nuggets haven't been fun to watch. But they've been fun to watch this weekend. This I think, was great. I think we're right. We we're, we're, we really are. I mean, it's funny because it's December fifteenth, and that's so it's I funny know that that's when this but it, it's, again. It's Jokic's ball. <laughs> like it's it, it's Jokic's right. 
Uh, the anniversary, Wait. for anybody who doesn't know, December 15th is the anniversary of Jokic being put in the starting lineup in 2016 for good. And then and the history. They were the number one offense in the league after that date that year. And every year that, that he's been there, they've been a great offense. And so they will be again this year by the time it's all done. Right. And we talked about this before on the show. It's it's kind of the inherent with Jokic ball specifically is it's going to take a little bit before before it gets fully rolling, and that's probably going to happen every season. It's just such a unique way to play that you just can't you know play a couple preseason games and then hit the floor. Well, I've said this before, but every time you get a new player in who's never done it before, it's alien to them, and every time you come back from summer basketball, it's alien because you've been playing for three or four or five months without a center that can do anything like Jokic. So all the guards are, are ball dominant and all of the centers are, you know, stand in the middle and wait for the ball on the block. It's it's not familiar. Jokic ball cannot be replicated in the offseason. You cannot practice it. Yeah. And so every year it takes them six weeks, eight weeks to figure it out. Um, and they're calling plays from the sidelines and they're doing other stuff. And then eventually they settle down and they they remember and Jokic himself remembers this is how we play. And they go out there and they they run the ball around Jokic and everything is fine. And so hopefully once again, December 15th, they've had their warm up and now everything can be fine. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Tell you what, let's go ahead. Let's hit the break. And when we come back, we will turn the page. Nuggets got two more games on the homestand in front of them. And then big game next weekend against the Lakers. So we will dive into that in just a second. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
Welcome back into the Pickaxe Podcast. It is Zach Mikosh and Gordon Gross. We're with DenverStiffs.com. We spent that first half of the show talking about the week that was. Nuggets getting back to their winning ways now have won three in a row, all three at home as they're on a five-game homestand. Two more uh, in front of them at home. Two very winnable games, the Orlando Magic and the, why is the second team escaping me? The Minnesota Timberwolves. Neither one of them uh, has a winning record, though. The Orlando Magic are technically the eighth seed right now out east with, I think, whether they're like 11 and 15 or something like that. But um, I guess like, w- 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 two games you, you expect Denver to win, Gordon, but which one would concern you more? Between Orlando and Minnesota. I, it's got to be Minnesota, right? Like, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns Towns is the most concerning thing. Always gets up for these matchups. Like he he will probably put up like another you know twenty five thirty points ten boards easy. Like that's this is what he does. He he enjoys these matchups with Jokic. Jokic enjoys his matchup with Carl Anthony Towns too. It's just like with Embiid, where those guys get up for each other. They enjoy it. It's good healthy competition. Um, I don't know that Minnesota has enough in the tank to to come into Denver and take it, but I would certainly think they're going to give Denver more they can handle than Orlando. But the Nuggets like to play down to their competition, so who can say really? Who can say for sure there? Hey, both like I said, both guys not not that good. Uh, Orlando twelve and fourteen. My mistake. Don't want to don't want to sell them. No, short. Yeah, or, Orlando um, Orlando has some pieces. Um, they won tonight. Orlando, you did, know, beat yep. the Pelicans. I mean, it's the Pelicans, yeah, they yeah, put so like up 130 I mean, points. They can score. They're 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 a long team. They're they're an athletic team. They're kind of still a raw team who's never. I think they they lack identity. They've never had the guy that to be like that's our guy. Like we're gonna build around him. Like Aaron Gordon for a little while. Right. Like Evan Fournier is pretty good, but they've never had that one uh, true rock to kind of uh, to be the foundation for what their core is and what they're building around. They've kind of just kind of. Um, They've added pieces, but you know, not a core, which I always think is a right. really interesting problem to have as a team is when you have plenty of players that other teams would love to have, but you don't build anything with them. It's it, the Orlando right. Magic. Their hope is that Markel Fultz can figure out how to shoot because he's got the speed. He's got the the passing acumen. You know, it, he he's doesn't really have the defense. So you, you can't just make him a, like a Rondo. Right. Um, but if he can learn how to shoot. And and he's getting better. Um, the the shooting stroke when that cleans up, he could be really really good for them. And they they are um, playing faster because he's good in transition. Um, Jonathan mm-hmm. Isaac is is coming along with him in transition and is cleaning up the boards. Right. You know, yeah, Isaac's been he's been impressive. <clears throat> yeah, Isaac Isaac is finally getting his shot to go. He's he's getting a a handle on how to get to the line when he's going for rebounds. He's making sure that people have to foul him to stop him. And I think that's important. Like those are. Those are things they need. And then you've got, you know, uh, who's they still have what? Mo Bamba on their bench center. Yep. You yep. know, and you've got Vooch as their as their yep. starting center. Like, that's a lot of length, man. you got a – you have a big team. And so with a big team, you can do some things you can't do otherwise that can mask some other deficiencies. And the Nuggets are a team that they, they tend to struggle with bigger teams. I mean, we've we've seen it this this entire week, despite the Nuggets winning games, the big wings. I mean, you think about Tobias Harris had a big yep. game against them. Marcus Morris had a big game against them. <coughs> Marcus um, Morris stop, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, when, the, when they face big wing players, they tend to struggle because the Nuggets are pretty small out on the wings. Yeah. Um, that will be the case with Orlando. The thing about Orlando, they will be coming on a back-to-back 
off of uh, playing Utah the night before. So that's another thing working against them. But I, I mean, I'm with you. I think Minnesota is just a, a tougher team to play in general. Like Carl Anthony Towns is when you compare the rosters of the Timberwolves and the Magic, it's pretty clear. Carl Anthony Towns is the best player by by a long margin. Uh, he's um, so underrated across though. those two rosters. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the guy is uh, the guy is in my eyes uh, a top what maybe top eight player in the league. He's amazing. If he's not in your top ten, I I understand that you feel like there's too many centers because you probably have Embiid, Jokic, and Towns all in the right. top ten, and that feels center heavy. I get it. Accept it. Like. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been. And he's been a thorn in the Nuggets' side, and so that's what I think when you look at – I mean, Minnesota has not been a great team so far this year, but that is a game – especially it's the last game on a, on a long homestand. Like, if there's a trap game this week, that's the one. Well, the thing with the, the, thing with the Timberwolves is that they have – they're on a huge losing streak. Like, they've won, right, what, yeah, like, what six or seven in a row? Like, Something like that. You know, it, it has – it's been very, very frustrating for them. Um, you don't want to be the team that they work out their frustrations on. You know, they've been scoring all the time. They just can't stop anybody. And they've been, you know, they've been, what, over 100 points like every game for the last 10 games or something. It's it's an antithesis to the way Denver has played early, where Denver played slow and, and low scoring. And uh, the Timberwolves have not done that. They just aren't getting stops on the other end. And you can point to Carl yeah. Anthony Towns, I guess, for that. Like, it, but honestly, they're just struggling with um, the way that their roster fits. Uh, you don't want them to figure that out against you. You just don't. It's they're a talented team, and um, I still yeah, think that I the think way it's... that they play, because again, they have big players. Like they've got Towns, they've got Wiggins. You know, Covington. you've got I mean, um, big, big Covington's winner. not a huge guy. You know, right. but he's but he's long. Yeah, yeah, he's a for long for a small dude. forward. You know, he he plays a lot of small forward for them, um, and kind of kind of gets out there on the wing, even though he's probably more of a power forward in general. Right. You know, they still got Georgie. They still got you know other guys that that can that can provide length for the team if they have to. Um, they just they're struggling to adapt to like a, a non Tibbs defense, honestly. Well, and they have they have no backcourt. I mean, they've got they've got Jeff Teague, um, and, and the Culver kid is nice. You know, he's he's been a solid for for a rookie. You don't you don't think uh, Josh Kogi is the way to go? But no, I mean, yeah, exactly. You, you, Josh Kogi, Shabazz Napier. I mean, like it's it's pretty it's pretty slim. They don't really Pickens run a point guard, man. Like that should tell you most of what you need to know about what's going on in mini. Like right. the very first thing they need to do is find themselves a point guard. It is hilarious how well they would do with Rubio back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they could they could definitely use um, a Ricky Rubio or even a guy. You know, if you're gonna run uh, Minnesota, if if you're gonna run things through Towns like Denver does, then you need a guy who, like a like a Jamal Murray who yeah can run some offense as well, but is also a big time shooter. You know, and and can help just take the offensive pressure. Off, off of them. I well, guess, that's you know, using Jeff I mean, Andrew Wiggins. They're using yeah, and 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 Wiggins has been good this year, but he hasn't been. You know, he's never going to be um, fantastic. Wiggins, Wiggins has set his own ceiling. Um, and it's unfortunate because the man is incredibly talented. Yeah, but he, he, and, I mean, he can score thirty points easy, man. Yeah. It's not scoring that's his problem. It really isn't. Right. It's everything else, yeah. which is, you know, which is which is like yeah. I mean, like I said, he's a volume scorer. Um, 
And that's just kind of his thing. All right, uh, let's look at one more one more little game here before we, we get on out of here, which is, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers uh, to close out the weekend and this week upcoming, I think, what is that, a Saturday game uh, when the Nuggets play the Lakers, something like that? Yeah, that's that right. about right. Yeah. So, so there's there's one thing you're going to go against the uh, Friday night LA LA nightlife um, that the Nuggets will be battling there in LA. Um, but also, obviously, the Lakers have not lost in forever uh, except since the game before the last time they played the Nuggets. They are only have three losses on the season. Clearly, now the top team in the Western Conference and have a good, pretty good lead on everybody else. Nuggets lose. Yeah home a few weeks back there against LA now is a chance to revenge how big is this game Gordon how big is it yeah like in terms of seeing like so for like a measuring stick right I mean do you if, if the Nuggets get blown out against the Lakers here in LA on Saturday do you kind of take a step back and say okay they're clearly not ready to contend for uh for a finals appearance I think it's Sunday but yeah it's uh, I don't I don't think they're clearly not ready I I would say that they certainly aren't ready right now. Like that they're they haven't optimized their squad. Like the Nuggets, Wait. the Nuggets have not done what the um what the Lakers have done, and integrated their pieces. Like Jeremy Grant is still coming along. His outside stroke is fun. It's starting to fall. Um, he had some nice minutes next to Jokic um the last couple games without Millsap. Um, but the Nuggets are still finding themselves, which is weird to say about a team. With this much continuity. Don't you think in some ways, though, it doesn't matter how much they find themselves against the Lakers? Like, is they, I wonder, is this Lakers team like now the new Rockets, right? Where the Nuggets just flat out will never match, match up well against them and, and just can't beat well, them. Well, I mean, they're a bad matchup. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't beat them. But if, if they're a bad matchup, I would not want to pull the Lakers in a best of seven. Yeah, I don't think I, – I, I think in a best of seven, the Nuggets probably losing that thing in about five games. Probably about five games, yeah. But again yeah. – this is why you play these games during the season. You got to use to these guys. Now you've seen them. You hadn't seen, you know, AD and um, LeBron together. Now you have. Now you know what it right. looks like. You've got some film of you butchering the defense on that. Right. You know, uh, this is how you try to figure out how to make your adjustments. That really, the the NBA works mostly as a as a long preseason before the playoffs. Um. The games matter, but for the most part, you're just trying to figure out your squad. You're trying to figure out other teams. You're trying to stay healthy. Um, and just stay stay close enough to get one of those top four yeah, seeds yeah. in the playoffs. You're, you want that home court right. advantage. You're working your seeding out. Um, right. And so the Nuggets started off well. They won some lucky games. They came back. They regressed to the mean on this last road trip. So now they're about where they should have been without those lucky early wins. Uh, and now you you take these next few games at home and you try to you know strengthen your position, uh, and then you go out and you test yourself. the The first test, I don't think any of the teams this this week, whether the Nuggets lose or not, they're not measuring sticks. But the Lakers are going to be a measuring stick. If you want to get to the finals, you're going to have to go through LA at some point. Right. So what do you got? How are you going to make that work for you? What are the weaknesses on that squad that you can exploit? Because they were supposed man, to be thin, man. Like the Lakers were supposed to be a team that you could catch it on their bench because their starters right. were going to, you know, be really hard to take. But you could catch it on their bench, and and you, that has not worked out that way this year. And that, yeah, it didn't happen that, in that first game. And I think that's the big thing too. Is like, yeah, you got to look at that first game and say, okay, how are you going to adjust? 
um, in, in now the second matchup against the Lakers. How are you good? I mean, cause there, there is some ways, like like we talked about, that I don't know that you'll ever have a good matchup against them. I don't know if there's any way you can say, well, this is how we're going to stop Anthony Davis. This is how we're going to stop LeBron James. I think those guys, you know, obviously to a certain point are just going to get theirs. But you've, well, I, you brought up the good point, Gordon, is you've got to find their weaknesses, which is supposedly on the, the Lakers, this bench unit and, and the Nuggets bench has been they're coming around uh, yeah they're coming around they've been pretty hit or miss throughout the entire yep. season but they're, they're starting to look better they're starting to figure some things out you're starting to see a guy like michael porter jr he had a pretty good game um today against new york yeah he had like, like nine point eight boards today right in like 11 minutes yeah, yeah. It was actually and, I mean, it was, and, it's very very solid and those are the things that that you're waiting for are the nuggets ready today to take the lakers i don't think so uh, no, yeah. If you give Michael Porter Jr., you know, 50 more games to get ready, can he be a weapon for you as another big man to help you out against a bigger team that causes your literal guys on the outside problems? Maybe. Right. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Or maybe it's a Juancho Hernan Gomez or, or who knows. Whoever. But, like, but this is when you find gonna out. They're going to have to find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. But this is, this is when you yep. try to optimize your bench, when you're trying to figure out who needs to play with who. You know, the Nuggets are trying to change their rotations up a little bit to bring Barton in with the bench a little more or bring Jamal Murray back off the bench early so that the bench isn't stuck out there. They're trying to make sure they don't put, you know, all of the defensive guys out at the same time, which they did to start the fourth quarter in this game against the Knicks. And that's when the Knicks basically destroyed Denver right. um, against right. their quote-unquote defense guys there, because they couldn't score it. and they didn't defend. So that was bad. Yeah. It- and that's kind of, I think, been been the key to this bench group, and, and maybe Michael Porter Jr. in general is that there's so many guys have just struggled. Whether it's been Malik Beasley or Monty Morris for Jeremy Grant for a while, like so many guys on that bench have struggled to score. That that Porter kind of gives you that shot maker that you can kind of just be like, okay, if we need a bucket, uh, let's give it to him, see what he can do. And I think that's helped and them. And he's a great rebounder. Uh, uh, this is, I keep bringing right. this up every time I'm on this pod, but it's because he's a really good rebounder. Like, he does. He attacks the offensive class in particular. Yeah, he makes an effort. He's he's out there looking and hunting, and sometimes that bites him in the ass because he's not paying attention to his responsibility and right. he's not <laughs> boxing out. You know what I mean? He he's not rotating. Lot, yeah. He loses track of his dude on uh, on the perimeter because he's watching the board because he's waiting to go ahead and get the ball. He's ball hungry, and that could be right. a really good thing once he's aware of when he can let that go. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, and and he's just gonna have to find that balance. Yep. And the only way to find that is to is to continue to play. Seriously. So, um, hopefully, hopefully he'll continue to get some minutes there, and they'll, they'll start to build some momentum. And, well, um, I like that Malone keeps talking about it. I like that Malone keeps bringing up right. the fact I got to play Michael. Okay, I played him today. I got to play Michael. Okay, I I played him right. later in the game today, so he gets some important minutes. I got to play Michael. Yeah. So he's reminding himself after every game to do it, and he's continuing to do it. Those are good things. Because he. Because like, he's also reminding so he's like, yeah, God, he can't defend a, <laughs> yeah. a paper yeah. bag. Yeah, Malone is watching the tape back and cussing, but still, at least there's <laughs> the Michael Porter Jr. to watch back. Right, exactly. All right, Gordon, we'll wrap up the show with this as we always do. Uh, so three games in front of us this week. Let's hear it. What are your win-loss predictions? Two and one, buddy. Two and one. Two and one. Let's go it easy. I, I assume the one being the nah, Lakers game there. Not not yeah. in L.A., not battling the the um, the L.A. nightlife uh, and a a very, very good Laker squad that the Nuggets still match up poorly against. But again, they're at home. They should be able to handle Orlando on a back to back and they should be able to score enough on on Minnesota. 
Right, yeah, those are those are two games you take care of. I th- I'm, I'm with you, and then and then you see what happens against LA. I think, like you, that it's going to be very tough to see the Nuggets get a victory out there at the Staples Center. So I will go with you two and one. It's anything less is a disappointment. Agreed. Anything more is a great week, and and that's just anything more. We're popping know. champagne on Sunday. Right, that's right, that's right. It's going to be a be an exciting podcast. <laughs> All right. Make sure you are uh, following us all on Twitter. I'm at Zach Mikosh. He's at G Money Nugs, at Pickaxe Podcast, at Denver Stiffs. Also, make sure to follow the mothership at SB Nation. We are over on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. They're doing a lot of really great work this season over there. Jenna Garcia, Jeremy Poli. So make sure you guys are checking that out. You'll find stuff over there that you won't necessarily find anywhere else. So you got to be following all those platforms. Also, make sure you are subscribed to the Denver Stiffs podcast channel, The Chicken Nuggets Show. Uh, join the lineup that will be now on every Wednesday with Jenna. Nuggets numbers with Ryan Blackburn on Tuesday, the Denver Stiff Show on Thursday, and the Dig taking you into the weekend on Fridays. If you guys are subscribed, you will get those shows into your podcast app every day when they come out. So make sure you are doing that. All right, Mr. Gordon, as always, sir, I appreciate your time. Thank you, man. And uh, what's up for 3 0, right? Let's go. Let's go 3 0. All right, everybody, we will talk to you next week.